and welcome back to another episode of Break Room Banter. It's a hairstylist adjacent podcast where each week two friends who happen to be hairstylists break down our week in the break room. I'm your host, Hunter Walden, and as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Anna Schrader, and today we are going to be talking about working with or not working with an assistant. So every week we like to start our podcast off building a beautiful bouquet of roses, and we all know that you can't have a beautiful bouquet of roses without a couple thorns. So this is what we like to call the rose and thorn segment. And Anna, I think I'll let you start this week. Okay. Okay. So, um, a rose for me this week, I got to go on a trip and we went snowboarding at this fun hill called Mount Bohemia. And, um, it was super, super fun. Um, a thorn though would be, um, I did feel like a beginner because it was kind of challenging and I hit a couple trees and, um, I'm okay. Everything's okay. Uh, I think that it could have been a lot worse. So I'm, th- I'm thankful, but it was still fun and I want to go back. So and it, like, did you drive somewhere? Did you have to fly? Or- no, no, it was a, yeah, we drove. So it was maybe two and a half hours away um, in the Keweenaw Peninsula. So if you look at the UP, it's that little finger that sticks up. It's up there. And, um, so we left at like five in the morning or five thirty, and, um, boarded all day. Actually, everyone else was gears. There's only a couple boarders and then, um, headed back and got home late and it was really fun. Just fun to be with a big group of friends and, um, being outside together. And they have like this really cool outdoor hot do- tub that, um, I I boarded about half the day and I was like just so exhausted because it's it's pretty challenging I was like ah, I think I'm gonna be done otherwise I'm gonna hurt myself right and I'm gonna take the fact that I hit a tree as a warning sign and um, I'm gonna go relax in the hot tub everyone else continued to ski and I just went and soaked in the hot tub and socialized with strangers in a big oh. On your Snapchat story, was that all strangers or that wasn't your friends? Um, the one of me in the hot tub? Yeah. All strangers. Oh, you acted like you knew all of those people. (laughs) (laughs) I was just awkwardly videoing them. No, I did make friends though. I made friends. And, um, I mean, this hot tub is huge and it's like a big pool size. And then they have also a cold tub where it's like icy and you can jump in that. And so that was exhilarating. We'll have to put um, on our podcast Instagram. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We had fun. We had a lot of fun. Um, This hill also is a little bit um, interesting in the fact that it only has two chairlifts and it's all like just through the woods so you they bring you up and then you board through the woods and end up on a road Oh! and then they send a shuttle back to pick you up so you hop on a bus and then they bring you up to the top again and then you take the chairlift it's really an interesting setup and um like I said it was very fun very different than what I'm used to because I'm used to just like going down normal slopes and this is all like woods woods trails 
so I'll, I think you call it like all terrain. Actually, I don't even know. I don't know. It was intense, but fun. Super dangerous. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think that's why I knew my limits and I was like, all right, time to hot tub. <laughs> yeah. So, but I got a good handful of runs in, so it was good, but yeah. Okay. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, my rose is that I was just in Orlando, Florida for a week. Yes. Yeah, the quite opposite weather that you were. <laughs> it was. Oh my gosh. I think the highest high was 86 degrees, and the lowest it got was in the 60s. Amazing. Tell us about your vacation. It was wonderful. So we went to Epcot on our second day there, and we stayed at Epcot all day. And What did you first- eat in Epcot? <laughs> so that's kind of part of my thorn. Um, so this is my first time ever going to Epcot and this is Bradley's favorite park. So I had like super high expectations, right? (laughs) And I love Disney for the theme. I love Disney movies. I love to see the princesses and the princes and all the characters and Mickey and Minnie. Well, uh, have you ever been to Epcot? I have. So you know that it's not that, right? It's very, very different. And it's kind of adult. It's kind of adult. And it's not like, it didn't have any roller coasters. And I'm a roller coaster guy. (laughs) So after we rode like two rides, I was like, so where's the roller coasters? And (laughs) it was like, oh yeah, no, there's not any. This is a cultural experience only. Yeah, I said, oh, oh, okay. And I was like, so do the rides have Disney? Are the rides going to be Disney? Where's Mickey? Right. Um, And then on top of that, so, I mean, I didn't like Epcot. It's not my favorite park. Will I go again? More than likely. Yes. Did you watch the fireworks show in Epcot? Oh my gosh, yes. The new... We've been listening to the soundtrack since we got back. You would think I would know the name of it. It's phenomenal. And it's a new show, mm-hmm. too. So. Wow. This is like... So, a- I feel like the fireworks show is, like, what they're known for, Epcot. Oh, absolutely. And I told Bradley, I was like, I would go back at closing time just to watch that over and over again. Yeah. I just want, I want to know how much money goes into that fireworks show every single night. It has to be in like the hundreds of thousands. Yeah. I, it blows my mind. Like, you know, they have so much money probably from having their own engineers. Uh huh. Fun story about Epcot. Um, one of my clients dad actually was on the design team for Epcot and um, yeah and so when my client um, was in her 20s or so she was about to and she's older she's like you know she could be my mom and um, I love her she's the best but she was when she was about to go travel her and her friend were gonna do like a backpacking trip in Europe her dad is like, I don't know why you're going to Europe. Why don't you just, why don't you just go to Epcot? <laughs> because it's the same. Yes. yes. <laughs> and 
I have like I have traveled and like and Epcot does a really good job of like replicating it I feel like so it but it is funny that he's just like he's like just go to Epcot but it is not the same like you just don't have the feels but Uh, yeah you're definitely in Florida yeah, <laughs> like they they just haven't gotten like the temperature change right and the smells like some of the smells are like you know you can smell like churros roast like boiling I don't even know how you make churro but you know they have the food smells but right I don't know. so the food was the biggest thorn of the day for me my thorn was not that I didn't like Epcot because once again the fireworks show made the entire day worth it however my biggest thorn is that I spent over a hundred dollars on food that day and did not (gasps) and you didn't what? I didn't eat because it was not good oh honestly the entire day I was in the hot I did have water, though. I was very smart. It was Dasani water, though. So did it hydrate me? Did it dry me out even more? Who knows? (laughs) One will never know. I feel the same way about Disney, most of Disney food. It's, like, very expensive and not good. It's almost like if you want to, if you want a meal, you have to spend an outrageous amount of money in one of those sit-down restaurants. Yep. And make a reservation that's impossible to get. But I love Disney. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. This, this time around, it was just because it was, I didn't eat. So I was grumpy. And then at the I end, do... we were walking. So we went through the back exit of the park to the boardwalk, boardwalk hotel. And we were walking and I started to like cry a little bit. Because I was like, oh my gosh, I ruined his day. This is his favorite park. And I was so grumpy because I didn't have food. And I should have just eaten the food that I didn't like. (laughs) My body. Food is so important, though. It really is. And without it, you just get hangry. And that's understandable. Completely understandable. It gets even better, girl. Go on. So we get to the boardwalk hotel because we think that's going to be the fastest way to get an uber is if we're just at the hotel and jokes on us because we had 10 ubers cancel on us not literally on uber what there were three ubers canceled on us so we waited at the hotel for another like three hours and Bradley was like, on the way to the hotel, he was like, we're going to get you some food. We're going to get you some food. I'm working on it. I'm sorry, babe. He was being so sweet. <sighs> and I was still being grumpy. And I was like, Hunter, calm down. <laughs> you were just enjoying him being sweet like that, though. Honestly, yes. <laughs> All right, we finally get an Uber back to the hotel. And we get in our car because we drove. We get in our car and go to what we thought was a 24-hour McDonald's in Winter Park, which is, I think, north of where we were by about 15 minutes. And the McDonald's is closed. Oh, no. So yeah. you didn't have anything to eat the whole, oh. whole day. And at that point, I was like, babe, 
Let's just go home. Let's just go to the hotel. Let's just go to bed. We have an early, we had an early, early breakfast reservation the next morning. So oh. we, I, let's just, I will eat in the morning. That is so sad. I feasted. Good. Oh my gosh. That's the worst. <laughs> oh, I do feel like at Disney, it's strangely hard to find food. Just because there's so many people. Yeah. There's there's whole YouTube channels and like a blog dedicated to finding food at Disney. Mm. Um, We went to Disney with our, um, when I was on the college dance team and we had nationals there. And um, one of the nights they closed down, I don't remember which park. It's the one with the Tower of Terror that park Hollywood Studios yes they closed that down for all of us and so picture it was a dance and cheer at um at like this big convention and I forgot what it was called but NDA and um they closed down that park for all of us and it was it's just so wild picture hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of college students just running around like crazy people and that's a good time it was a good time but it also like was because I've always been at Disney with my family when I was young and like right it like I feel like it kind of stole the family like magic all of a sudden there's like people making out over there and there's people throwing up over there that's definitely not what I pictured when you told me no 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 because it was like everyone got rager but at Hollywood it was it was it was like a massive college rager at Hollywood Studios and it was just like this isn't Disney (laughs) like going up to the Tower of Terror like that was the one that I'm like I have to do this ride have like fond memories of being there like when I was a kid I have to relive this it was not the same there was like I said people puking there your sisters (laughs) yes and there was one time we were on um one of the rides and it like broke and they had to turn on the light and all of a sudden like all the magic is ruined. All the magic was ruined. And I realized we were in like this big warehouse, like concrete building. And you could see past, you know, I think it was like a Peter Pan ride. And um, like, you know, when the lights are down, you can see only what they want you to see. And then all of a sudden they turn on the lights and it's like, um, yeah, no, we're in like this big <laughs> warehouse. It was so so like sad it ruined all the magic crazy (laughs) it's a crazy experience yeah well speaking of college and getting out of college and first jobs after college let's talk about being an assistant (laughs) i liked your segue (laughs) that was a good one right yeah yes i was thinking about it the whole time you were telling your story that's why i was so silent Oh, so you weren't active listening? (laughs) No, I was listening. I was listening. Throw up all over Disney. I'm just funny. Yeah, basically. We can call it Barf Studios instead of Hollywood Studios. (laughs) Okay. 
So Hunter, do you currently have an assistant in your salon? We do have a salon assistant, but I do not have a personal assistant, no. Okay. Because you work in, um, you like we've established before, you work in a commission salon where everyone's right. a team. Right. So we okay. Work- so we actually do not have an assistant right now. We did. We had two and one moved and the other graduated to a stylist. That's exciting. So how long yes. was she, how long was she assisting for? Um, about a year. But she was assisting while she was in cosmetology. So that's another thing that I think each state is different on how the apprenticeship assistants can work. Um, so as a uh, stylist assistant, does she, can she wash hair? What is her situation? Yeah. So in the state of Tennessee, you have to be licensed in order to be an assistant or touch a client in general. So we have a shampoo tech license that I think is 300 hours in school. And then you have to take the state board just for the sanitation of it. But I, those people, the shampoo techs are few and far between. I've never met someone that's just a shampoo tech, but so yes, she shampoos, she helps apply base color. We, Sometimes we'll foil together. It depends on like how far behind we are, you know? But she's a great stylist. So I feel like we trust her to do quite a lot. That's awesome. And you do share her amongst all of you. How many stylists do you have working in your salon at one time? At one time? uh, One, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight-ish at one time, but there are nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Twelve or thirteen of us all in total. Okay. And so you have, um, then do you have a receptionist and a manager? How does that work? We have a salon coordinator is what we call our front desk team because they do quite literally everything to keep the salon running. They coordinate the salon's day. And so we have one, two full-timers, one, our manager and social media manager she is on maternity leave but she's still basically working I don't think she's ever taken a day off (laughs) but so three full-time and one part-time for salon coordinators and then we have a I guess you would call her housekeeping so yeah she cleans all day and like makes the day go a lot smoother oh my gosh I'm just so jealous right now (laughs) (laughs) I can't hide it I'm like turning green with envy over here (laughs) because that sounds amazing that literally the fact that you have the luxury of all of those things um great that hashtag goals (laughs) Each salon is run so differently. And (laughs) (laughs) um, 
I love that for you. We have uh, <laughs> we have <laughs> one assistant or two. So we used to have two, but they would work different times. And there is only like there's four of us as stylists total. And in the way it works in Michigan is if you are a cosmetology student with so many hours, you can then legally touch hair and shampoo and style. Oh, so, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. However, that reminded me of, sorry, it reminded me of Tennessee is enacting a new law. Mm. And I don't want to like completely speak on it because I'm not... I just know the basis of it. I don't even know how far it is in legislation, but I'm almost positive it passed where you can do your sanitation. So your 300 hours of every school calls it something different where I went, we called it freshman class. Okay. You learn, that's where you learn state law and then yeah. all the basics, like your roller sets, your perms, your the base colors things like that mm-hmm. so you do that in school and you can apply for a internship and it is an unpaid internship and you work in the salon under a mentor that has been doing hair for 10 or more years and you finish your hours in the salon wow so it's, I think you get the schooling part that enough to pass your state board, which is, in my opinion, honestly, this works out great. Yeah, you do all that sanitation stuff in school and then you can actually get hands on experience. The only thing. Um, so we call that apprenticeship. And do you but do you have to pay the apprentice? I don't know what the rules are about that. I've talked to my boss about it because I was kind of interested. Um, I I know that you have to, I think you can only take one on at a time and you have to have some kind of a curriculum and system to teach them. Right. So I love that idea. It's just, I personally cannot imagine sitting down and keeping track of someone's schedules to make sure they have all of their... We call them MPAs. I don't know what you call them. All the responsibilities that you already have. Yeah. Maybe if we had um, a nice team like yours. Yeah. Floor staff. So we had the luxury of last year hiring an assistant. And then we also do something called school to work with our high school. And um, that's like our free help our free intern they come in like shadow in a sense but they're not getting paid right and they're um kids who are interested in the cosmetology program and many of them end up going into the program but they come for a couple day a couple hours out of their day and I guess we could call them assistants but they answer the phone they do laundry basically all the duties and um they hold foils but they can't legally touch hair or people. And then um, our assistants that we are actual assistants that we hired were um, cosmetology students that would come after class. And yeah. And then we hire in the summer, we hired them like during all hours. 
and um, they were able to wash and stuff. But yeah, the way our salon is set up is uh, we all take turns answering the phone. So receptionist duty is shared amongst everyone. All the scheduling, uh, all the cleaning is shared amongst all of us. So we, between clients, fold towels and do laundry and sweep and clean. And what else? Oh, social media shared. I'm technically the manager, so I do all of the scheduling and um, all the meetings and also have a full book. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so when we, but when we first actually had, because there were a couple years where we did not have anyone helping. It was all of us doing everything. And then we hired an assistant to answer the phone and it was completely life-changing oh my gosh and the best part about having an assistant was asking her to go get food for us (laughs) (laughs) and oh my god it was (laughs) her so um we have um maggie and hannah and hannah is now the one that's like stuck with us the longest because she was she started off school to work in high school and then went to cosmetology and we hired her as an assistant and then we hired her as a stylist so she's now um she's been a stylist yes yes so she's been with us the longest but um which we actually are going to interview her because she just went through her exam process and i think it'd be really fun to see talk to her about her process but I always laugh because I'm like Hannah I'm just gonna like get a recording or like a parrot that says hey Hannah hey Hannah <laughs> that's all um, that you guys said yeah hey Hannah <laughs> she's probably so sick of hearing your name but <laughs> hey Hannah in is- five minutes would you mind would you mind going to get this food <laughs> Could you make the call to get the food so it's ready in 15 right away when my color starts processing? I have a 20 minute break. So that's something that is uh, is something that to talk about today on our episode about assistance is how we talk to our assistants, right? Yes, yes. And so I have a hard time. I never want to sound like, oh, you need to do this for me or right like too overbearing too like, overbearing yes so I don't want to feel like a slave master exactly I don't want to like feel like your boss like we work together we work mm-hmm. side by side I'm just asking for help <laughs> yeah I am drowning I know <laughs> and and um I mean we've had a couple people in our salon that mainly I feel like mainly I feel bad even saying this because the school to work students are helping us. They're not getting paid. They're right. shadowing. So I feel especially bad asking them to do things. <laughs> but but um, I also experience it is. And that was an, uh, that was agreed upon before we took them on. And mm-hmm. when their teachers came to us and asked if we were willing to take on school to work students were like yeah are they willing to come work for free exactly but it is hard and like I do feel really awkward by being like I don't know I I always make sure they know like 
you are an assistant working towards being a stylist. So I want you to get the most out of this experience as you can. So if folding towels is going to get in the way of you learning, like do it later, like come watch and come ask and learn. Right. So I have a kind of interesting story about being an assistant. So I was doing hair for four years on my own. And I found this salon that I was absolutely obsessed with. And I just had to work there. I had to work there. And I became an assistant after four years of doing hair on my own with my own. Okay. But here's what's that? That was four years of incorrectly trying to build a clientele. I had no guidance. So in my experience, being an assistant and doing all of that, for lack of a better term, bitch work, Mm -hmm. it was hard to do after four years of doing it on your own, but it also made me such a, I'm better at communicating, I'm better at, I'm better for it, honestly. I caught myself almost saying something that I was like, that doesn't sound good. I'm better at everything because of it. <laughs> but that's not what I, I just feel like without being an assistant, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a successful hairdresser. Yeah. So you thought it was a good experience, like going to almost clientele and not doing it correctly because I was just. I think it's so important to sometimes, even if we've been in the industry for some time, to go back to the basics and like go back to our roots and say, why is it that I'm doing, like, why do I do this? And why do you do this? And like never being too proud to learn. Mm -hmm. And honey, I was too proud there at the beginning. I am sure if you ask patients who is my, my mentor, if you ask her what it was like to work with me in those first few months, she probably would say that it was awful. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's hard. Like, working with an assistant is amazing, and I would 100% take an assistant over not having an assistant, but there are some, like, it's hard to know how to ask for help, and, like, half the time I'm just so used to I have a hard time, like going back to what we we're saying. I just have a hard time asking for help, and half the time I'm like, "Oh, can you help me with this?" Oh, never mind, I got it done. I already have it done. Like by the time they put down their towel or whatever they're doing and come over, I could have had it done. And it's like, all right, it's not. You know what I mean? Right. And it's hard. So I'm very much so a control freak. I have accepted that as a part of my life, and. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would, I used to complain like, oh, Bradley never does his laundry. But the reality of it is, is I don't want him to do his own laundry because I don't think he does it right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm a control freak. Well, and especially when it comes to work, because that's your art. Like that's your. Exactly. That's your vision. So there's nothing. You want it to look. And so a lot of times, and that was something I had to realize whenever I became the assistant, 
was it's not because you're doing it wrong it's because this is that that other someone else's vision that you have to execute create yeah yep and the client is going to like they're paying you to do the work not the assistant mm-hmm. so, so that's another thing as yeah as someone who is doing my client's hair I know that they want me to do it and I working with assistant greatly enhances our performance but also we don't want it to go the other way around right you don't want it to become a thing where it's like I'm getting an assistant so I can do double the people and then the the customer service of it all exactly it should be like I have an assistant, so next time the phone rings, I don't have to take a break to go answer it. And yeah, in your case, that would be exactly what that meant. Yeah. And in my case, it's more like, I don't have to go, I don't have to stop foiling to go mix another batch of lightener. Yeah. Or I don't necessarily like to have my foils handed to me. I feel like that's a little like you know yeah yeah it feels like a little much yeah um, so I guess want to hang out and watch me foil that's, if there's that's if great they're hanging fun. out and watching then it's like okay we'll be a part of this experience and you but, know that's a good that's a good time for us as stylists to take off that stylist hat and turn on the facilitator hat and explain to your associate or your assistant whatever verbiage you may use what you're doing because that's going to make you a better hairstylist if you're explaining Mm -hmm. someone for the first time like this is what I'm doing they're going to ask why you're doing it that way especially want to learn and then you have to sometimes you have to come up with the you have to think (laughs) you have to go out of autopilot yeah so it makes you such a bet if you can look at it this that way it makes you such a better stylist because you're thinking every step of the way if someone asks me why I'm doing this I need to be able to tell them why Mm -hmm. and my client the other day when uh Brie who is our salon associate's name when she walked when Brie walked away my client was like I think it's so cool that now I know why and what you do to my hair. Yeah. Yeah, our clients like to know. Yeah, she was like, and it made me, and the people that are listening to this podcast that know this are going to be like, oh, you, that's the one. She goes, it's like I know the what, why, and how. (laughs) And you're like, yes, exactly. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that clients that say when I like talk about why I'm doing something, my clients just, it reiterates to them. They're like, wow, there's so much that goes into doing hair that I never even realized. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I've heard a lot that, oh, wow, this really is an art, huh? You're like, um, Yeah. That girl. Mm-hmm. It's <laughs> geometry, it's algebra, it's chemistry. Mm-hmm. So assistants are amazing. What would it look like, Hunter, if we were working in um, 
a suite or a chair rental and we didn't work in a commission what would it be like to get an assistant like so I had an assistant when I worked in a salon suite situation so did you pay her out of your paycheck oh absolutely yeah you're the Mm -hmm. only one you're the only one that can pay them you know (laughs) if you're if you're running a suite I mean it's a small business so did you find that that um money that you went into her paycheck came back because you had the assistant okay absolutely because it's not just about doing hair either it's about the customer service you know the can I get you anything to drink as soon as they sit down or as soon as they're in the door you know or knowing that whenever Christine comes in on Friday afternoons for her drive-by color service that you better have that glass of wine sitting down on the station because she's going to need it to be drank in less than 30 minutes (laughs) <laughs> uh-huh yeah i it is definitely worth it and um i talked to my boss the owner about hiring and she's totally on board so it's looking back to the days before we had help it was it that's hard to imagine and we still do it all like i said we still juggle everything but we definitely can't go back to not having an extra helper and um so what is the structure of how an assistant would be paid in your salon so if you had say molly comes in and applies and she's going to be your personal assistant not a salon assistant but she was being hired on as your assistant what would that look like how would that person get paid well, we don't have that. We have a salon assistant. They okay. work for the whole salon, so they do get paid so that from... That never happen. No. Okay. No. I think the only time that would happen is if I was renting a chair, and then I would pay them. Okay. So, at our salon, if you want a personal assistant, first you have to meet your goals, right? Like, you're not going to get an assistant if you're not meeting your goals consistently, because then you don't necessarily like if you have one and you have to pay for them then you're losing money if you are not meeting your goals consistently so we split the cost of the assistant with the salon if it's a personal assistant but if they're a salon assistant the salon pays in full for that person but if you okay. have a personal assistant you pay a percentage of their hourly rate out of your paycheck so out of your commission okay that makes sense like a percentage and then the salon helps you with the rest it's almost a good system you need to be vested into this partnership as well as the salon yep kind of thing that's a that's a really good way of doing it i'm telling you i have the best boss in the whole world she (laughs) is a genius when it comes to business it sounds like it it really sounds like she does she also do hair she does full time okay she, but she's just hired the staff she needs to create a good support team. And she doesn't have to be at the salon for it to run like a well-oiled machine. And then working is just a little extra. So she she works three days a week. And she does her clients and she takes her own client check, right? Her mom does more of the 
like back of house stuff like she does the paychecks and she does the dub like payroll mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of the like money and business stuff and then her daughter is also a hairstylist and she is like in charge of hiring and training education stuff like that cool very cool so it's, it's like a family through family ran business <laughs> very cool sounds like it's a great it's working well too it yeah it's working really well we um are a million dollar salon this year wow yeah what a cool congratulations (laughs) to your you and your salon and um what a cool thing to be a part of i would agree i i um i was gonna say goals and i think that's it, it it's really nice to see how like each person does a different business but I do look at I still look at my salon and where I work and I love it like it's small and we all help each other out like we are when something needs to be done we we take the steps to do it and if Whitley needs an extra batch of color and my color's processing I will absolutely go mix one for her yeah. And when I'm done, when I'm done cutting hair, I will sweep my station and my neighbor's station. And um, when we started the podcast, we said one of my friends that listens to the podcast. Thanks, Erica. What she said was in the beginning, we said that we're very similar in a lot of ways. And we said in the first episode, like, you're going to find that you're watching our friendship grow. Mm-hmm. the podcast and she she was like I've realized that you guys are actually really different mm-hmm. and I said, actually yeah we are very different and I think we're all we're always discovering more ways that it's <laughs> well, like just because it's cool. I, I my aspirations are working in a million dollar salon and having assistance and a whole support staff that doesn't mean that that is like everyone's goal that's not what everyone strives for yeah every even though we're both stylists and we both have high aspirations they're different exactly and we have we both have high caliber like work palettes and um but we're very different and it, it has to do with who we are but also where we are in our country and our country is very big and being a hairstylist is it's it looks so different compared to like town to town, region to region. Mm-hmm. And, but yet we have this like unifying factor of coming together and serving others and making them feel beautiful and making connections, human connections. And yeah, it's, it's a really special job and it's cool to be a part of it. It's a really cool industry. And, um, I was also going to mention tips on how to get, we're not done with our assistant talk, but um, I love this little banter that we're going on. Our little discovery of like, yeah, we're the same, same, but different, different. <laughs> we're and, um, people with a, with a very strong interest in the same thing. Yeah. So um, this brings us to our last point. How do you look for an assistant? And I think that um, number one would be if you have any any anyone that's in your chair that is interested in the field, 
that would be a great start to grab an assistant. Like I did a already have a connection. Um, yeah, I did a girl on Saturday, and she's a cosmetology student, and mm-hmm. she's super interested. And so she would be a great one. I already have a connection, a relationship. But also, if you don't have that, if you don't have any students that you're doing, go to the cosmetology, your local cosmetology area, and mm-hmm. like put in applications and at like market yourself that you're looking for someone yeah because no one's going to apply if they don't know well like if your area has a paul mitchell school in particular paul mitchell does a really cool thing called a backwards career fair and it's where the students set up slideshows of their work because Paul Mitchell gives out iPads or whatever. So they have their iPads on their station with all their work pictures going on a slideshow. And they have their resumes there. And if they have business cards, their business cards are there. And the salons go around and meet everyone and gather resumes. That is very cool. I love that. So at the end of it, we just recently went to the Paul Mitchell School in Murfreesboro. And I think we came back with 30 or 40 resumes. Very cool. Really way, if that is a, an option for you, if there's a Paul Mitchell school in the area. But just developing a relationship with the schools in the area, regardless of what they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there, all about assistance. Do we have a myth? A hair myth? I was just about to pull one up so how about you banter for a little bit while I look for it (laughs) (laughs) is it your turn to give uh, me a myth or is it my turn to give you a myth it's my turn to give you a myth oh okay so I want to hear actually about this eagle oh my gosh you didn't bring that up (laughs) that was a huge rose and thorn at the same time so tell um, story and I'll get you a hair myth right after. Okay, so um, I have a really good friend. Her name is Jenny, and she is a conservation officer. She works for the state of Michigan, and basically her job is she is a woods cop, and she has a voice for the voiceless and protects. Um, she fights against like people who are poaching, who are not treating the environment correctly, and she's just like. She looks like, I always say, you look like a sexy Smokey the Bear. She pulls up in this big car. She wears like a gun on her hip and she's like so intense. But anyways, part of her job is helping injured animals. And um, she's done this a couple of times where we have a lot of eagles where we live because there's lots of forest land. And um, she will pick up an eagle and bring it to the closest like animal rehab place. And I've always been like, Jenny, if you have an eagle, I'd love to see it. And because it's a small town, you know, and she drives around for a while before she well, has it in her special experience to be able to meet a bald eagle. Yes. You know yes, what I so mean? She, like, that's insane. She had this eagle that was hit by a car and um, it was okay. She's like, I'm very confident that it's going to make it. But the poor thing was, um, was it just looked stunned. And I really wasn't, like, I didn't want to get too close and have too much contact. But I was just, 
you know, a couple feet away from it. It was in its kennel and, you know, it, it was safe and everything. And um, obviously you don't want to, there's so many rules protecting eagles that you have to be really careful. But um, she was bringing it to the rehab and I got to meet, it was a juvenile bald eagle. Had, so it didn't have a white head yet. It was all brown. And yeah, I got to Snapchat a picture to Hunter of the eagle. And I have the picture. I'll add it in the podcast Instagram story. Is yeah, that okay? No. I don't. I think that's actually, okay. I don't. I don't know. I'm just afraid that there's so many rules with eagles. I just feel like just looking at them is illegal. <laughs> okay. So maybe I won't post that. Yeah. Maybe not. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It was a really cute eagle. It was really adorable. It was a little yes. scary because I looked at when I was looking at it, I was in the car, so there was a glare, and all I could see was the talons. The talons were so, and the poor thing had like its talons around um, my friend's blanket. Because what you do to get an eagle is you walk up slowly and you throw the eagle, like the blanket over the eagle, and you get it around its head so it doesn't bite you. Uh-huh. And then you can pick it up with the blanket and put it in the like the crate or kennel to safely get it to a place where it needs to be interesting and um so it had its like little talons like hooked around the blanket and she was trying to get her blanket out she's like i want this blanket back this is my eagle catching blanket (laughs) (laughs) but my friend jenny for some reason she always gets called to the eagles like our she's like young she's my age and somehow there was an eagle that was hurt on a golf course and she was like the talk of the town someone took a picture of her like trying to wrangle the eagle like chase the eagle with a blanket and she ended up on like the front page of our newspaper (laughs) and so she's like this eagle hero i called her the mother of all eagles that is incredible (laughs) she's amazing she we could get her on our podcast maybe maybe she would be willing to be a guest and talk about rescuing eagles honestly that would be amazing because it is a hairstylist adjacent podcast we have other interests i do her hair and i and and i told you i'm a bird boy now (laughs) so any chance to talk about birds i am a bird boy call me Mr. Bird Boy. You haven't gotten Larry yet, have you? No. So you're I, not a bird boy yet. I'm not a bird boy. Own, I'm not an owner of a bird. You're a fan. I am a, I'm a big fan. You know, I'm, I'm equating it almost to like horse girls <laughs> in high school. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yes, my best friend was a horse girl. You know, where is she now? That's what I would like to know. Is she an equestrian? Because equestrians make so much money. She's not. It was, I don't want to say a fad because it was more than that. It was just, she's working in Chinese medicine as a healer. That's cooler than being an equestrian. <laughs> I guess it kind of ties in the fact that like you being with horses. And I also like have another friend who's with- nature yes yes i have a strangely enough i have another like friend who is a horse person she has two horses and they live on her property and everything and she's a she's an eye doctor one of my uh clients that i had in cincinnati she god i miss her so much she was the just the most 
incredible human I've ever met in my entire life. So humble, like, I don't know. She was amazing. But her and her husband breeded purebred racing horses. Wow. Yeah. And they, she was like, horses are so cool. They're just so cool. I know that it's become quite, I've talked to some of my other horse people, clients, and they're kind of discouraged with how it's like if you get into the race horsing or the showing, it's like a sport of the elite. It is. Where you have to have like a 30 to, I don't know, thousands and thousands of dollars go into these horses. Oh. And it's like, it ha- it's not like they're... Millions. Yeah. And shame on me if I'm saying this and I shouldn't be, but I feel like you can get a horse that's just as capable and can do all the things that doesn't cost $100,000. I feel like a horse person would probably... Shame on me for saying that. Maybe. Because I think it, it does have a lot to do with the bloodline and with breeding animals. Yeah, like, but that's dumb. I'm it sorry. Is. It, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a thing. It's a to thing. To each their own. I guess I just love the underdogs. I'm like, I want to see a horse that doesn't have the special blood, right, like, go to the top. You know? Yeah. yeah. I want one with, like, a weird colored eye to win. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So, but I just, like, I'm always cheering for the underdogs. All right. <laughs> Well, speaking of the underdogs, are you ready for the myth? It has nothing to do with underdogs, but... I love your transitions. It's... Speaking of something that we were not talking about, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, I like this hair myth because I it's one that I frequently use behind chair. And this one is... I found it on a natural hair website, hellogiggles.com. And so it's pertaining to curly hair. However, it pertains to everyone. You have to trim your hair in order to help it grow. False. Partly false. It doesn't, trimming trimming your hair does not make it grow. But if you stay on top of like sealing the split ends, it's going to stop the hair from splitting up any farther. Yeah, you're exactly right. Have I ever yeah. told you the pantyhose analogy? Yes. I think I, yeah. I feel like on this. I, yeah, I think we've recorded it. I think but we've recorded new, it. Yeah, if you're new and you haven't heard that episode, I explain split ends to my guests like a panty, a run in a pantyhose. Yeah, so I love this. A run in your pantyhose, it just continues to go up, right? And let's mm-hmm. put fingernail polish or hairspray on it to stop it. So putting fingernail polish or hairspray on it is is kind of like trim. to trimming your hair. So if you have a split end and you don't cut it off, it just continues to split up the hair shaft. And that's where you get all those like, I call them bubbles on the ends of your hair. Mm-hmm. And they feel like little grittiness on the bottom that's what that is it's split ends and they just keep going up the top of your head yeah that's a really good analogy i love that like if you love that it it will grow solidly if you don't trim it it will still grow but your ends are gonna look like a cat's been gnawing on them (laughs) (laughs) lovely 
That's a good analogy too. I'm just picturing my cat like chewing on my hair. You can't even say the word. Gnawing. I can't even, gnawing, <laughs> gnawing, gnawing. I say gnawing. Gnawing. Well. Neighing. Neighing. So should we go back to horses? Just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> With that being said, this has been another episode of Break Room Banter. A Hairstylist Adjacent Podcast. If you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, be sure to leave us a five-star review and let us know how we're doing. If you are listening on YouTube, or even if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, go to our YouTube channel and leave the secret word. And this week, the secret word is horse. (laughs) Be sure to go over to our socials. I am at HairXHunter on Instagram. Our podcast is at BreakRoomBanterPod. And the lovely Miss Anna's Instagram is... Anna.shr8 hair. And until next time, see ya. Bye. Bye.